You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. We're going to talk Blown Leads, we're going to talk Alex Ovechkin, the assist machine, and joined by the voice of the Capitals, Capitals radio announcer, John Walton. Hey, girl. How's it going? Good. <laughs> uh, good, other than blowing two leads in, in two games against Florida and Chicago, just your, your initial thoughts on, on blowing a 4-1 lead to lose to, to a really good team in the Panthers and blowing a, a 3-2 lead to a bad team in the Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with the Blackhawks. I mean, 3-2 three, three is not, you know, blowing that, it's not really... I wouldn't really consider it so much of a blown lead as I would, you know, four goals or even up, sure. even up two goals with five minutes left, something like that. So it's not, it's not that bad. But I guess just the fact that it's Chicago and, um, you know, we've talked about the teams that you need to get points against because yep. most most other teams are also getting points against. And them. they got one. And I mean, they, yes, you still exactly. get to overtime. Exactly, which is another thing in itself: the overtime and shootout stuff. Um, they stink. They, they stink in overtime, <laughs> and, and apparently it's shootout. Yeah, which is crazy to me. I. I you think with how many uh, skilled players there are on this team and, and some speed that they'd be a little bit better. But it's just one of those things. You know, it's a mental block, I guess, happening right now. So that's kind of gross. Yeah. Did, did you play a lot of three-on-three shifts? I played a lot of three-on-three shifts with an average ice time of probably five seconds, <laughs> which is funny. Thing. It was so funny. Me, it was usually either... It was me, Carly, and then Koozie or Backy or whatever. Right. And then if we won the face-off, then I would hop off the ice and Ovi would jump on. And if we lost, then I would play stay D. on, yeah. Yeah, but we won a lot of those, so I would hop off the ice and uh, and Ovi would jump on. So, yeah, I started a lot of three-on-threes, but I didn't like – I didn't really like playing three-on-three. It's a – it's a – the defensive side of it's not so bad. I like that because I, I'm good at man-on-man. Yeah. Man. That's what I what I enjoyed, and that's what three-on-three three is. But offensively, you have to – you have to win a one-on-one offensively to, to create a chance yes. most times or catch a team on a bad change, right? And so I'm not a one-on-one offensive guy. Yeah, I would never... I, I was ri- not confusing you for that, no? <laughs> exactly. I would never risk trying to go through someone's legs or under a stick to try and beat somebody. That's just It just wasn't in my right. DNA. still isn't in my DNA unless, unless maybe men's league. But I, I just wouldn't do it. And so you have to be a special type of player for that. So it was never my thing. But getting back to the leads, I mean... The one, the one against Florida is funny because I was wa- I watched the first two periods and I was like, wow, this is this is a good game for the Caps. Like this is looking nice against a good team. It made a really good team not look good. It yes, look, and made, made Bobrovsky look bad. Yes, made Bobrovsky look bad. I think he had he had to go out for a little bit for the uh, concussion protocol too, which was uh, yeah, that was a game it was in and out. And yeah, and so so yeah, they made them look very average. So then I actually made a, a late night trip to Home Depot. Came back, checked the score. I was listening to the the post game and, and heard what happened. I was shocked, so I didn't even get to see it real real time. I guess it was that big of a of a shock. And it's a, it was bad in real time. I tell you that. Bad. There you go. <laughs> but it's a, it it's tough because you know Florida being one of the best teams in the league, and you have you know your foot on on their throat at that point. It's like 
you're looking big picture. At least I'm looking big picture here. Yeah. You may get this team somewhere down the line and in a very important game, and, and you want to have that in your head that you not only beat them, but you beat them 4-1 or maybe 5-1, whatever. This could be a playoff series. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. And so the fact that you give a team hope to come back is – is a bit of a piss off in in my opinion. So that that that's one that hurts. It's a a good team that decides to fire itself up in the third period and come after you. Great, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that to any team. I don't know if you could feel this as a player, but like watching that game when it was four two, I was like, they're losing this game. Like like at, at least at least <laughs> losing it in overtime or shootout, whatever. They wound up losing it in regulation. Could you feel that? Like when you're playing in a game and you're up in a game up in a game and like it starts to slip away can you feel that sensation because i've know watching tons of games over the years it's like yeah, yeah this, this this is going to change fast this you, is going to snowball yeah you start leaking oil and you just can't stop it it's so weird there's there's t- times when you get on the ice and as you're stepping on the ice you're just feeling like it's going to be a bad shift you know or or they're they're pushing so hard right now just please don't get scored on and that's an absolutely terrible attitude to have but it happens and it's hard yeah. to get yourself out of that and you it's weird because you need it, it's tough because the other team doesn't really want to do anything besides push, push, push. But it's almost like the moments where you need someone to go out there and make a big hit or almost drop the gloves and try and get someone into yeah. something just to maybe just throw off the vibe of, of what's what's happening right there. But you don't have that many guys that are willing to go out and do that. And plus the other team doesn't usually want to entertain you <laughs> when, when you're doing that because they know they have a good thing going. But but yeah, in Florida also, I mean, I hate to, hate to harp on, on Florida there, but it's kind of a tough place with, with you know, you, the you said this years ago. You said this years ago. I quoted you saying it, and you got in so much trouble, at least on Twitter, of like, well, what do you mean they can't get up for it? But that's a real human thing when there's not oh, a lot of energy in a building it's, like that. It is legit one of the things when you, you come out for warm-up and the guys joke around. I said this at home. It's it's dressed like a seat night. You know, it, there's there's so many open seats there, and it's, it's tough because, you know, there, there are some really passionate fans in Florida but this is just my opinion. I, well, I know other guys have it as well, but it's the rink just it's not in a great location where they can draw, you know, the... Sure. You look in D.C. here. The, the fans can come out and go out before the game, watch the game, and then go out after the game. You know, it's a, it's a whole evening draw. Yeah. There's lo- lots to do. It's just not like that in Florida, and so which is too bad because it's a fun place for us to go. I mean, as media and yeah, as players, yeah, sure, yeah. it's fun to go out to Florida. You love, you love having a little bit of sunshine and just a relaxed attitude, but... Um, yeah, it's just it's not uh, it's not the ideal place to play if you want momentum. Yeah, and I think it's gotten better. Like the playoff crowds there looked good last year in the, in the series against the Lightning, but mm-hmm. regular season like it's hard. Look, honestly, in a pandemic, it's hard to get crowds in a lot of places right yeah. now, which is a thing. Even last night, like I remember warm ups and face off, like there's nobody here. Yeah, eventually the crowd kind of filled in, but traffic, tree lighting here, and yeah. all that kind of madness for for a situation like that. Yeah, um, for sure. But like so you were talking about momentum changing, and this happened in in the Blackhawks game with the OV hit mm-hmm. on Connor Murphy. It just happened organically. Big hit. Not, not good to see Connor Murphy hurt, but that was a big hit that next shift, cap score, and, and the game kind of changes. Right. Oh, yeah. It's one of the things that doesn't get, uh, I guess, doesn't, maybe well, it does get talked about a little bit, but not enough, is that how, how much a big hit like that or a, a great penalty kill or, you know, a fight, that, that just, that can really turn the tide. And it's yeah. very difficult now with, you know, like a guy like Tom, who... Can't really make those hits that he would normally make that would really help a team out because fear of of suspension or you know how it how it's portrayed and you know it, it, it's it's such a fine line that you need to walk right now with not just him but everybody in the league so um, the momentum shifts sometimes need to happen in different ways and there's not that many other ways that you can no. do it there's not that many players that can 
go out on the ice and completely take over a game and change it. And there's, you know, luckily there there's one here in, in Ovi, but, uh, you know, Tom could be that guy as well, but it's tough for him to do it. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of, of Ovi, he's got 19 assists along with 19 goals. <laughs> we, we know how he can score goals, but I've been telling people, like, what impresses me the most about this is the, the goals he's manufacturing when that he's not scoring. You've mm-hmm. seen that happen, but, like, how impressed are you to see him not be a Cy Young guy? This is not 19 and 7. This is 19 and 19. <laughs> yes, now. it is. Yeah. It's honestly, it's super impressive. Um, he, he doesn't get enough credit for how good of a passer he is. And one of the things that plays to his, his advantage is because his shot is so lethal that guys will overplay the shot. And right. because he's such a good passer, he can make those plays. So as long as he's got a guy that can finish uh, what, what he's given them, and a lot of times their backdoor tap ins because he's that good. Um, then he, 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 he benefits more in the assist category. And he's one of the guys, too, that you kind of like to, you, you know, I go back to a Michael Grabner. Guy, I think he's, he had 40 goals one year yep. and not many assists, you know, and, and you laugh about that. But uh, it just depends on what he wants to do. If he wants to just go out there and shoot, 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 yeah, he's going to score a ton. But he can also play, play, you know, the assist guy, too. So it's nice to see him get a little bit of credit there and be in the top five in the league in points at 36 years old. Just crazy. Yeah, and and, and I guess every defense, every everyone, every defenseman who's covering him ex- expects him to shoot, right? Like you're 100%. you're absolutely expecting that. One hundred percent. If I see him load up for a wrist shot, you freeze for a second, and you're trying to find a way to to fill every single hole between your shin pads, you know, just around them. It it it's it's so hard to do it, and that's why, you know, for anyone listening who is who who goes out there and and you know, plays men's league or whatever, and you go to fake a shot and no one really reacts because, A, they're not trying that hard. <laughs> B, right. their reaction time may be not as quick as some of these guys out, out in the NHL. And so all it takes is just literally a split second to fake a guy, to get him to even close an eye or to just turn their feet to make a block. And next thing you know, you're, the player's gone. A guy like Ovi is gone. For and sure. so uh, it's just a little fake. And when you know that you have a guy that can score from just inside the blue line, you have to respect it. There's some guys that come down and go to fake shot from just inside the blue line. And I'd be like, there's, there's no chance this guy's <laughs> going to score from here or even attempt this shot. So it, with Ovi, though, you have to respect it. And that's what makes him that much more deadly. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this more as the trade deadline goes, but I, I started this fire on, on Las Vegas radio last night that I would love to see this team trade for Marc Andre Fleury. That, 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 was, <laughs> that was my like I'm, like I'm going to like throw gasoline on the fire of yeah it, it may not happen, but are you confident enough in the goalies? And I say this knowing you're not a goalie guy, but like can you roll with these two guys into the playoffs, or does Brian McClellan need to go out and get a goal even if it's not Marc Andre Fleury? Ooh, that's a really really tough question. Um, I don't know. Samsonov has been pretty good. I think he's kind of emerging as, as the guy right now. He should. I mean, he and, should, yeah. and we all thought he would be. Right. Exactly. And so, it's the thing that scares me is is injuries. You know, like both of these guys have kind of battled through quite a few yeah. things. A goalie, goal, being a goalie is a tough position and it's hard on the body. Um, you really want someone that can be reliable. You know, in the injury front as well. And so, you know what? I don't. I don't know. Honestly, would Flurry come here? Does he have? Does he have too much? Uh, you know, too much history with against this team that he would even. Uh, you know, I think he's got to have some sort of no trade in his in his contract. I'm not 100 percent sure there, but uh, it, it's tough. It, it's a tough tough question. It would be a, a really neat story. Almost the same thing with Lundqvist coming here and almost almost playing for the team. Um, but yeah, it would be it'd be neat if he did make it out here. But uh, I'm not sure. Uh, 
it, it's it's a it's too too tough of a decision to make there. And, and, and Brian McClellan has a few months to make this decision. <laughs> we, I'm sure we'll talk about this again. Um, next segment, we're going to talk to uh, Voice of the Capitals, John Walton. Tell some old stories. I, I want to talk about an e-bug story that you and, and John Walton were both a part of. We'll be back on All Caps. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alls. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino, joined by voice of the Washington Capitals, John Walton. Hey, John. Gentlemen, good to see you. Good to talk to you. Um, we, we have plenty of stories. We have Carl's uh, stupid questions to ask you at, at the end of this. Fantastic. Our, our segment where Carl has his list of the whose line is it anyway, like everything's made up and the points don't matter, but he gives you a score for this. Oh, um, no, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, first I want to talk, we had an e-bug situation in, in, in Tampa last night with the St. Louis guy. Do you remember when Stretch, Brett Leonhardt, dressed? You played in that game, right, Carl? Yeah, I played in the game. Yeah, I remember it clearly because it was, Stretch was the tallest guy on the bench, and so even just sitting there, everyone could see his head over top of everybody. And I think if you ask him, I think there's some serious nerves. Like, Stretch is a uh, pretty, like, you know, he's an analytical guy. He likes to... He's always kind of thinking. I remember him being pretty nervous for that game, but also so much fun to see. Like, like Stretch has climbed the ranks, you know, all the way through. He's done just about everything you can do, you know. And the fact that he made it to the NHL as a player now too, like that's a pretty remarkable story right there. I, I had to crack to crane my neck to like look up at Stretch. I'm glad if, I, if, I, if he's sitting down, I'm standing up. That's exactly. fine. Big guy, John. You were in. You were with Hershey at the time. Yes. And so you have the other end of this because this was this was 2008, right? Because I talked to Bruce Boudreau about this last week, and he had no recollection of any of this happening. Um, just didn't remember. He's just like, I'm sure it happened. I don't remember all the circumstances, but like somebody got hurt or sick, and then Varley had to rush up from Texas to get here in time. He did, and I remember Brent Johnson was involved because he wasn't 100%. I think he ended up, Carl, if I remember, playing in the game for the Caps that night, but there was some question whether or not even he could. So yeah. with Stretch, I think it was, I mean, you may, both goalies may be in trouble here, but I think that probably heightened the nerves. But on the other side of it, so Simeon Varlamov is with the Bears. And we were in the middle of a Texas road trip, which was rare for Hershey anyway, and we were leaving San Antonio, Texas, to go to Houston. And as we are on our way, Bob Woods is a head coach, and he gets the call that Varley's going up. And his first call-up, by the way, first time ever. He had not yeah. been called up at that point. And I remember Varley sat in the seat right across from me. I was near the front of the bus. He, Varley's a rookie. Rookies are up front. So he gets the call from Alex Ovechkin. Congratulations. Welcome to the show. Whole thing. And he's so pumped up. And I remember listening. Bob Woods is talking with team ops with the Caps. And when it's the flight, hey, we're going to be in Houston. Okay, yeah, we're going to 
uh, the flights in whenever. And I heard the flight time, and it was, <laughs> wait a minute. He said, what, 1 o'clock? Okay. And he hangs up the phone. I said, Woody, what time is the flight? He's like, oh, we'll, we'll drop him on the way. Well, the bus will just go by. We're going to drop him off at the airport at, at Bush Intercontinental in Houston. I told Woody at the time, and I remember the quote that I gave him. I said, Woody, if we had a rocket launcher on the back of this bus, we're not going to be in Houston <laughs> at 1 o'clock. We were still forever in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so he had to call him back and say, look, that flight's not going to work. We're not going to be able to get him on the flight until, whatever, what's the next one? Because yeah. we're not going to make it. And I remember we stopped. We had uh, some folks who were helping out with the equipment. We had a separate car that was following us. And we stopped at this filling station in Gonzales, Texas. And Gonzales, Texas is nothing but a filling station in Tumbleweeds. There's nothing <laughs> there. So the bus pulls off. Varley gets out. The gear gets out. Gets in a separate car that we were fortunate to even have with us. Because yeah. I don't know when he would have gotten to Washington. It wouldn't have been at first intermission. It probably wouldn't have been at all. And that's the last we saw of Varley. He's like, okay, Varley, see you later. He goes off in the car. And, well, the rest we'll find out. Yeah. And then we heard, as we get into Houston, yeah, Stretch is backing up. <laughs> Whoa, okay. That escalated quickly. Yeah, no kidding. And I, you know what? I have a funny thing that happened to me one time, too. Same thing. when it, We had a, a day off, and I remember asking um, Bob, same thing. I'm like, hey, do you mind if uh, I get, my wife's family's in town there in Washington? Do you mind if I go and spend the day in, in D.C.? He says, yeah, absolutely. We've had a tough, tough stretch. Go right ahead. And so I'm in D.C. and I'm in Georgetown just shopping with them, hanging out. And I get a, I get a call from, uh, from Doug Yinks. He says, hey, you're, uh, you got called up, so come grab your gear at the rink and then head over to Washington. And I'm like, I'm in Washington now and I don't have my gear. And he says, uh, okay, well, they want you there for game time. And it was 3 o'clock. And I'm like, well, it's impossible. I can't do it, so what should I do? He said, well, just head back here, grab your gear, we'll figure it out. So I'm battling Georgetown traffic, all the traffic, just to get back to Hershey. I get back to Hershey at at 7 o'clock. So the game's already started. So I go and grab my gear. I'm hightailing it back. I'm about halfway, about maybe 45 minutes left to get here. And I get a call saying, hey, don't worry about it. Like, they they don't need you. It's going to be fine. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, geez. Okay, well, I'm already almost there. Do you mind if I just stay there, spend the night? We got the next day off too or whatever. He says, yeah, yeah, after everything that's gone on today, go ahead. So I keep driving there. I'm five minutes from the hotel now, and then I get a call from, uh, I think it was Bruce actually said, hey, just meet us at the plane tonight. We do need you. And I'm like, so, so I, go and, I go and meet them at Dulles, hop on the plane, get to Pittsburgh, morning skate, sent down after morning skate. <laughs> oh, no! Yeah, and I drive all the way back to Hershey from there. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Can we all get on the same page? Because this is insane. Yeah, so. it's rock and roll lifestyle. Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's not all fun and games. No, not so much glamour. It the just glamorous happened. life of the NHL. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I remember Brooks like, asked one time like in Tampa, he's like, how do you guys, when Katie Carrera and I were covering the team, he's like, how do you guys travel? Like, I take the first flight in the morning. Like, yeah. I, I, we got to go commercial. It's like, even for that, that's not a very glamorous, like, driving from Pittsburgh to Hershey and Hershey to Georgetown yeah. and all oh, that. Oh, no, I'm, it took us one time, I think five and a half or six hours for me and Chris Bork to uh, get from Hershey to, to here. It was during a snowstorm, flying out to Ottawa. I remember feeling like such a loser because they held a plane for us because the team has Dulles connections, I guess. And me and Borky, like literally walking down the tarmac with our bags right past the plane. Everyone can see us. And we, the plane was waiting there for probably 45 to an hour. And we walk on and they leave. I'm just like, I feel so bad. It's like the walk of shame. Right. Down the, we've just held up this flight for everybody. So it happens. But 
It's all good. Yeah. Do you want to do your Carl stupid questions? I do, but I, I, I had a I had a question first that's separate, and I want to see if uh, so a less stupid question. A less stupid question. <laughs> I was just thinking about this today because I heard uh, I heard a rumor about some uh, public service announcements that you possibly did back in the day. Is that is there any truth to that in Cincinnati? Public service the baseball announcements. Team? Uh, baseball team. Well, yeah, no, I was. I did a public address for the Reds. Okay, that's what it was. Uh, I started in 1996. I was. It was the silliest thing how that all came to be. Anyway, I was a college student. Okay. I mean, I was. I had done Miami University hockey and broadcast to I, the the best. Li- I hardly had any listeners. Dan Boyle's parents were among my listeners <laughs> because Danny was playing for us, and the, it was online was just starting. I mean, it was just. You know, wasn't that much. I mean, that was, and I thought, I thought I was like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Look at me. I'm calling college hockey. And my professor stops me after class one day and said, I got a, uh, a former student that called me and they said they may, they're doing some tryouts for public address. And would you be interested? I'm like, well, sure. But I mean, why are they going to want me? I mean, I'm nobody. <laughs> and it was at a time with the Reds when Mart Schott was running the team, and to say that she could squeeze a, a nickel or a quarter as hard as anyone, I mean, didn't spend money on anything, and they were looking for basically the cheapest option. I mean, that's what you are, right? Gotcha. So I go down, I try out. I was like, well, that was fun. And, you know, just throwing out a few, you know, read a couple ads in an empty stadium, call it a day. <laughs> well, the next week he calls up and said, listen, uh, Mrs. Schott wants to talk to you. So can you come back? I was like, the owner of the city? The owner is the one making this decision? Yeah. Like, okay. And, and Marge was really well-known at the time and then was well-known for other reasons later, which weren't awesome. Indeed. But uh, so, And that happened like two months after I got hired. But I come back down, and she sits down and just talks to me, rambles for like 30 minutes in her office, cigarette smoke hanging in the air, dog fur. She had St. Bernard's. I mean, it was it was bizarre. Stacks of old newspapers. I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done, but I, I think I'm going to leave. I'm like, all right. Like, I don't even know what just happened, but I'm yeah. certainly not the guy. She comes over, hugs me, walks out of the office. I'm just standing there in her office. And then a guy who comes back in says, how'd it go? And I said, well, I don't know. She hugged me and she left. He's like, that's great. A hug means you're hired. We got to go down. We're going to fill out your paperwork. <laughs> And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He's like, you're the new public address announcer of the Cincinnati Reds. No way. Like, okay. So opening day, playing Montreal, and I'm standing out 35 degrees in front of 52,000 people. I ended up staying for seven years. And no I could tell you, sort I could do, I could fill three shows with all the things that happened while I was there. But uh, it was a lot of fun, yeah. It was uh, up until I left for Hershey. I did that for seven years. That is amazing. And that's why I have you written down here next to Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, Sam Elliott. John Walton. <laughs> <laughs> I am not in any of those categories. You got I'm a voice sure. like those guys. Uh, that's one of the things. Like some some voices are so recognizable, and and I think you do an unbelievable job. It's like as soon as I, I hear it, it's like you know I, I can I can associate that with you. So it means you're doing you're doing something good. I right? appreciate that, Carl. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so I'll hit you with these questions. Yeah, like like Wino said, they're uh, they're kind of stupid, but they're they're I think they're kind of fun. They're ones that I've been asked, things I've been asked over the years that. At the time, you're like, oh, this is this is silly, but then you learn you learn something about the person, right? So, I'll uh, I'll give you your score. So keep that in mind that okay. this is this is really important. Um, okay, so I, w- I would like to know your your the worst and the best place to call a hockey game from. The worst place to call a hockey game is probably first, and I don't think there's anything. I mean, look, there's two different categories here in the NHL. They're all pretty good. 
Edmonton's pretty disappointing at this point because you're so far away. It's such a beautiful building. That's yeah. probably the roughest in the NHL at this point. New Jersey's pretty close. Dallas is pretty close. And it's New Jersey, you're in the clouds. In New Jersey. And Edmonton's actually higher, if you can believe that. Uh, <laughs> that's the highest in the league right now, and we keep getting further and further away. But I would say the worst barn I ever called a game in would I, – and I called a game in a literal barn once at the Ohio <laughs> State Fairgrounds in Columbus. Uh, the Columbus Chill before the Jackets when I was in Miami they played in a converted cow barn at the Ohio State Fairgrounds. So, but that was okay because we were close. I didn't mind. I mean, it smelled, didn't smell awesome, but it was a great view of the game, so I can't say that one. Uh, I'm going to say Fredericton, New Brunswick, Aiken oh. University Center. Was it was the coldest building I have ever called a game yeah. in. It was the locker room. I call you remember what Binghamton looked like. I don't know yeah. if you, you don't think you ever got to Fredericton. This the room was just you know the nails on the wall. The guys hated it, <laughs> and they had this little tiny cement little box that you had to go down into. You felt like a groundhog kind of looking up <laughs> over this cement thing. And the only game I ever called there, uh, Vokey was actually the goalie for Freddie that night. Oh really? Uh, beat us at the end of a long, really, really crappy road trip and. I would say that's probably the worst. Syracuse was never a favorite of mine. I hated going to Syracuse, and you and I did that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, the gondola there, you're always looking through these slats. You feel like you're in jail. But it's close. I mean, at, at least yeah. it was close enough to the action that, you know, as long as you were kind of bobbing and weaving, you could kind of still see what was going on. But uh, I'm going to go with Freddie by a nose over Syracuse. Okay, Freddie by a nose. And then, the, and then your favorite? My favorite in the NHL is Bell Center, Montreal. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Detroit is a close second. The new building is fantastic. Yeah. And there's a lot of good ones. I, anything in Canada, I love doing games in Toronto. But if I had to say, like, numero uno, uh, I'm going to say Bell Center. How many hot dogs do you have when you're there? At so least two. That's exactly what I was going to ask. At least yeah. two. Uh, Savvy and I have actually, like, there have been times where he will actually, if he knows that he, I'm done with him as we're going to first intermission, he's got the headset off and he's 10 feet in front of me already, so i got to catch up because yeah. we got to get in the line for the hot dogs. Uh, but at least two. At least the, two. Yeah, one of the best treats in the league for sure. Yeah, this this is the podcast of the Bell Center hot dogs. <laughs> yes. We've we discussed this, I think, on every episode. Oh, my gosh. The best, the best. And it's, you know, it's socialized because everyone goes there. So everyone in the press box, all the scouts, all the broadcasters, uh, former Montreal players, it's awesome. Awesome. I oh, love yeah. it. I love it. The smell fills the stadium. It's amazing. Yes. Um, do you have a funniest in-game moment that you can remember? In-game moment. Yeah, whether in-game something moments. maybe that's happened to you or something you've seen happen. Anything that's strange. Are we talking about like something that happens on the ice or something that happens to us or doesn't matter? Either. doesn't matter. Like, Have Either. you ever messed something up so bad that you were talking about? Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Um, you know what? Uh, there was a time, and this is probably like the third or fourth game. I, don't, I, I swear I don't remember this, but I had people say it afterward who heard me. And it was not like we had stuff on tape then. Yeah. Uh, instead of cross-checking, I said cross-dressing at one point. <laughs> I did say that. That did happen. That was really, really early. Like, I'd probably been maybe 10 games into my first year in Cincinnati. That happened. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, what I, I, I ended up doing a game. I thought I was going to lose my uh, – I thought my pants were going to fall down the night that Bruce took my pants on the bench in Bridgeport. <laughs> And That's a great story too. I I was I mean the whole thing was bizarre and I, and Bruce like forgot his pants. Like Crystal forgot to pack his pants, right? So all the guys like I remember Farzy. I remember walking in and seeing him. I'm like, what do you guys need me for in addressing room? Like Doug Yanks is yelling at me across the arena in Bridgeport to come down. We got there late, day after Christmas, 2007. 
And I'm like, I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm like, I'm trying to get my gear put together here, and I don't know why you need me. And I was like, all right. So I go running down, and the first thing I see, I see Eric Fair just laughing his <laughs> ass off. And I'm like, what, what is going on? All the guys, they look around, stack everybody. I'm like, what? And he's like, you got to come in the office. And Bruce is like the shade of red in the face that the Capitals jerseys are. He's so angry. Bob Woods can't stop laughing. I said, what's the problem? He's like, I don't have my pants. <laughs> And they're like, okay, well, what do you think? So, why am I here? I, oh, God, are you kidding? They're like, no, we need your pants. He's like, it's Sunday, it's the day after Christmas. I mean, the, the stores are closed, Bridgeport, you're not going to find a clothes store in Bridgeport, you're done. So I'm like, I'm a waste, I'm a 34 waste. Like, what are you going to do? It's like, yeah, Bruce, like, come on here. So I give it to him. He can't get him zipped. I have his track pants, which are comically too large for me. And I'm walking up. And every time, because most of the time I like to stand, at least back then, I sit more now than I used to. But I, I used to stand for the games. And I sat for that one because I was like, as soon as I stand up in the middle of the game, my pants are going to fall <laughs> down. <laughs> like, I mean, that, oh, that is won the, the game. Funniest. Hadn't yeah. won in Bridgeport in forever. And Bruce is superstitious as he is. I don't care. Like, yeah. the pants were folded up on my seat on the bus when I got back. He's like, we're never doing this again. <laughs> that, it's like, thank God. That is definitely one of the funniest in-game moments I've ever even heard. So nice. Good, big points for that one. I'll mark that down. <laughs> um, you may have won. You may have won that. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So is there something that you spend a lot of money on that you're embarrassed about? What would it be? Well, I don't spend a lot of money. I mean, Doug Inks Inks used to tell me, he's like, nobody ever spends your per diem, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) And he's probably right. I'm the guy who hoards it during the uh, the regular, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I'll do something nice with this in the summertime. What do I spend money on? Oh, gosh. I'll give you you an example. When I, I, my first call up, all the guys went to the mall to buy new suits and stuff like that. And uh, I couldn't bring myself to buy a new suit like they were. I bought a keychain though for $150. I thought that was like the coolest thing to do. <laughs> so that's one of the stupid things that I spend money on. Some like little dumb trinkets like that. Like I have a, I have two keychains, believe it or not, that are more than $100 each that I've bought in in 10 years of, of playing. Because I, I don't know what it is. Something about a cool keychain I put my key on. I said I'm the guy who gets a $5 keychain in the Outer Banks. This is OBX on and call it a day. Yeah. But yeah, you know what I. I electronic stuff like I mean you know broadcast stuff podcast you know the best headphones and like yeah. headphone amps and things like that yeah. not very exciting maybe and stuff that I don't need but I, I buy too much electronic stuff okay. that's, are you okay with part. our microphone here I think it's, it's awesome I have a, I have one of these I have a similar one it's more directional but uh, the same brand blue I have one I, they're awesome I love them yeah well it works I mean it works can, yeah unfortunately yeah. they can hear me so that's that's the, that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> um, can we ask this one once before but I I, I really like this one because. It's something that I'm I'm interested on in the plane too. Is right after a game, do you have a go-to drink when you get on the plane? Do you have something that you uh, always have to have? Yeah, red wine for it's sure. Red wine guy. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because you know there was a, a couple of years ago, like Joe B brought some of his finer stuff along on board, which was a tremendous trip. It's like find a trip for the coaches <laughs> and for us to to be able to, to do that for us. Because most of the time, we actually call it jet fuel because yeah. I think it's yeah. just whatever they happen to find that's exactly. you know of the, of the cheaper nature with Joe. It's hilarious because he's such a wine guy. Uh, but we always say, yeah, give me the glass of jet fuel. Like, yeah. we, we need it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, win, lose, whatever. We need that. Exactly. We need that. We need a wine episode with Joe. Yeah, we should. Wine yes, you do. Yeah. Yes. 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 And you might need it. It might be a two-parter, by the way. <laughs> we were actually drinking while we record, too. Even better. Oh, can, awesome. can we find someone yes. to sponsor this yes. too? We can, That'd be great. We can try and find someone. Um, do you have any pregame rituals? Something you have to do? Are you superstitious at all? 
you know what? The only thing I'm really superstitious about, and especially like in the playoffs or whatever, if I'll drive different ways to the game, uh, wherever I'm at, and you know, just if there's a way, it's like, hey, you know, coming off a loss, he's like, I'll. I'll change it up, and you know, even if I get, you know, I'm going to go the tunnel, or I say no, I'm going to go 395, or I'm going to go, you know, like when I was living in Northern Virginia, like I'd either go like by the Pentagon, I'd come up 395, and it'd be lost, and I would come in Constitution the next time. Yeah. So I would do things like that, especially in the playoffs. Like if you know, hey, just you know, change it up, just to change some up. The rituals for me, I think, and for any broadcaster, are when we put together our notes. Like I've got to have everything, like just the way. I need it. I, I've got a page of stuff that I want to get to through the course of the game. I've got stuff on every player on both teams that I want to be able to pull it up. I mean, everything. If you, if you think I'm pulling stuff off the top of my head, guess what? I'm not. Neither yeah. Joe, neither anybody else. I mean, we've got we spend more time having it in front of it and in front of us and know where to find it. Yeah. And so if I don't have that, if I'm in the booth, like if something like I've got them on my iPad. I do them a little differently than Joe. A few years ago when I went went to the Olympics. I was like, I'm never going to find a printer in South Korea because yeah. I used to print them off. It's like I tried the beginning of that season. Can I do this just off the iPad, just kind yeah. of flip back and forth? I'm like, yeah, you know what, this works. Yeah. But for me to be able to change something on a game night, I, uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it took me a while. I was like, none of this feels right. And then after a while, it did. Yeah. So I was okay. That's actually something I was interested in. How much, how much prep? And I don't think people recognize that how much prep goes into you know calling a game because you got to know so much about like all these little tidbits of information. Like if it's a slow game, and there's not much action. I'm sure you got to be pulling from. You know your notes and stuff that you've prepped ahead of time. So yeah, and seventy-five percent of it we never use. Yeah. I mean, I don't know going into the game like if somebody hasn't scored a goal in a while, or if somebody doesn't have a, a point streak or something, it may not come into play. Yeah. But I want I, you got to be able to pull it right. Yeah. So if you know a goalie does something he hasn't done in a long time, you know, hasn't had a shutout in three years or something, it was like I want to be able to have that at the end of the game, or I want to be able to you know talk about somebody scores a goal and hey boy that's. Big slump off their shoulders. This yeah, is good, yeah. you know, and all that. So, and it sounds, I think, organic when we do it. And, and but for Joe, like, I mean, he's got he and I have a pretty similar program because it's actually the same guy that kind of put together this computer program. And, and Joe turned me on to him a bunch of years ago, and it's awesome. Like the stats updates, so we don't kind of takes away some of the you know goals, assist points, all that. We're not doing all that anymore. Yeah. But I want to be able to say. You know, Alex is you know forty eight goals in his career against the Florida Panthers right. or something. Yeah, uh, and be able so when he scores, right. uh, you'd say, listen, I mean, just an unbelievable. I mean, that's a season. That's yeah. a that's an MVP season against one team, yeah, essentially. Exactly. You know, yeah. things like that. And Alex is the best because you've got so many things to pick from. Like I've got a file on Ovi stuff. Like the hat tricks are my favorite. Yeah, because I always have it at the ready. Like he's got twenty eight, and these are the teams he did it against. So yeah. when he did it against Florida. Like, it was the third time he did it. He tied Ottawa for the most that he had. But, you know, I had to dig deep for that one. Like, I'm going back through. I mean, Raby's talking over there. And I'm going, like, I got it. I know what's in here. I didn't have it on my list. But I know I got it somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, just keep the database and then try and find yeah, it. Yeah, and those are the cool stats, I think, for people to hear, too, when you pull out something like that. So, good on that. Good on you there. Okay, this is the last one. I saved the, the toughest one for the end. So, sorry about that. Um, and just a quick tally in my head. You're close to the top. So, this, okay. this is, so it's a big one. A huge Game one. face. Yeah. Got it. Okay. What would you say is the ugliest vegetable? Ugliest vegetable? Uh, you know what? I mean, does a does a sweet potato count? Is that a vegetable or starch? I don't even know. It's kind of a starch, but okay. Uh, so I don't know that that counts. But it is ugly. I'll agree with you. There. Yeah, I just and and Jen loves them, and I just say and she'll make <laughs> up. She, and 
and she does them like where she cuts them up and boils them and they're awesome but it's just you look at them it's just like I who would ever who picked this up the first time and said I'm going to eat this <laughs> uh, I love broccoli but I they're it's funny looking let's yeah. be honest yeah. I mean just you know a little bit of you know but again you know throw it in the oven broil them you know a little olive oil salt and pepper we're good here but yeah. Uh, aesthetically, uh, when it comes out of the oven, I don't know. Uh, Brussels sprouts, too. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know what? Brussels sprouts, I think, if, if we're going to go on the podium here, Brussels sprouts, one, uh, broccoli, two, and, and sweet potato, three. All right. That's good. I, you know, actually, sweet potato, I think that's fine. Sweet potato should pass, and it is grills looking. Tastes good, though. Um, I feel like yeah. on Jeopardy, they go to the judges. Are we going to allow that? Yeah, that's okay. All right. Carl allows it. Yeah. Carl, yeah. Carl allows it. I'm going to allow right. that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's a tough... I think the, the story about Bruce really puts you up there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, after this, plus two. Okay, 106 points I'm going to give you, and that does Whoa. put you in first place. Oh! He took over Steve Alexi. He's going to be pissed about Oh, that. please please send Steve all my condolences. I will. That yeah. was great. Well, good answers. We learned a lot about you there, so appreciate that. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> th- th- John, thank you very much for, for being with us. Thanks for having me, fellas. Good to see you. And, and we, will, we will be back uh, on All Caps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, Capitals coming up. Uh, this is middle of the, the longest homestand of the season uh, against the Ducks, against the Penguins. We had our friend Steve Alexi on. Uh, I, eventually we'll get our old buddy Kevin Chattenkirk on. But what do you remember from like the, it feels like eight seconds playing with Kevin Chattenkirk <laughs> after he got traded here? He was one of the guys that we picked up that I was just like so fired up for. You know, like I, I'm like... Because we were trying to put the pieces together to make a long run, and and you'll you'll be the team. And when he came over, I was like, "Wow, this like this is unbelievable! How how did we get Kevin Shattenkirk? You know, like that seemed like a like a pipe dream that we'd get a player like that and make it work and and all that. And so I I was really fired up just to see what kind of guy he was too, because you know, we kind of came in at the same time and um, you know a player that that I enjoyed watching. And I know that uh, you know when we do finally talk to him, I'm sure he'll. Say that he, it was maybe a little bit of a tougher transition at the beginning to try and, you know, completely fit right in. But I, I love playing with him <laughs> because he's such a high level passer, and passing is one of the things that I, I just really love to watch as a player. So someone who can thread the needle, see how the play is going to develop, and and find find a lane to get the puck to a guy, but not just get it to him, but snap it hard on the tape. On tape, yep. yeah, to a guy in stride and motion. Like that's something that's so cool, and that's what Shaddy does so well. And uh, another thing that I thought was pretty funny that I never, I never really realized, I guess, and maybe when we do have a manual, we'll get to hear it. But when I play with Max Pacioretty, he said that he'd be on the plane and he would listen to, he'd hear me talk, he'd turn around and always think it was Shaddy talking. Because uh, apparently we sound the same. I, I, I don't, it's not one of those things that you pick up on your own voice, but, but uh, it would be, it would be fun to have a little back and forth there. But yeah, I mean. The nicknames Deuces or Shaddy, I just just a great all around human. Yeah, I knew he was a good dude coming. Through. Like I, I knew friends of his 
completely going to came here. It just didn't work. Yeah. And then there was the seven defensemen thing where seven of you guys dressed, and yeah. it just turned out to be just a bad fit. Yeah. And, and then he goes and wins a, a Stanley Cup ring with Tampa Bay, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is the player the Capitals thought they were getting. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's – that is just the way it works sometimes. Sometimes you don't fit in. Um, to the on-ice picture, you know, and it's not that he didn't fit into the on-ice picture, but we just had, you know, we didn't have the right combos going at that point. Right, you know? and Barry wanted him as a third-pair defenseman, yeah. and he was used to playing up the lineup. Exactly, right. and, th- and that's a hard thing when you, you don't yeah. understand it. If you play 25 minutes, yeah, it seems like a lot of a lot of ice time, but you're so into the game right. that it doesn't matter that you're tired. You're just, you're just, you're going through the motions at a high level and when you're out there only playing 12 13 14 minutes the next thing you know you got to go to on the power play where you have to absolutely execute and be elite for those for that minute that you're out there and your brain's not into the game like you would be if you were playing 20 minutes it's it's very very difficult but you know either way it's still still one of those guys that you know i'll i'll remember playing with and really enjoying and and still keep in touch with him now and had a good all-star break with him one time in new york so you know good good memories from uh from playing with shaddy yeah and, and so the ducks in, in in town on monday the penguins in town on friday this is a different penguins team than the capital saw earlier in the year but this we, we talked about playing against Sidney crosby you played against jeff carter a bunch too mm-hmm. this is a guy who I, I started debating with a buddy like is jeff carter a hall of famer and, and I think, like, if you look at the numbers, if you, if you think about what his kind of persona is, probably not. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his numbers, he probably is. How tough of a guy was he to defend? Yeah, that's an interesting question, actually, just thinking about it. He's, uh, he, he does have great numbers. He's got a great history of, of success in the league. But one of those guys that might just, like, hover around the, you know, the conversation all the time sure. without being yes. put, pushed over the edge. But, but a guy that, same thing with, like, we were talking with Olvi, like, there's there's very few guys that you have to like they're going to come across the blue line and respect that shot that right. they could score he's one of those guys which maybe not a lot of people know but he can he can really hum the puck also a great skater maybe slowing down a little now but but a, a very very good skater um and i th- i i personally think maybe because he was around my my era a few years older than me but He's a guy that I really look to as kind of being like that elite guy coming into the league and and you know always kind of following their career and and seeing the success that they had, wishing for success like that. You know? Also, it was him and Richie when when yep. uh, Mike Richards was here too. Those two guys are kind of synonymous with each other, and you, you always I always I always think of of them yeah, together. Sure. You know, they're a pair to me. So yeah, I mean, I I, I enjoy him as a player, and the fact that he's. Uh, Still able to do what he's doing is, is pretty cool. Ninety eighth on the career goal scoring list. Like, like that was one of those like when I when yeah. I heard he was moving to the top one hundred, I'm like, I did not realize that. Yeah, exactly. Almost twenty goals for Patrick Kane. Yeah, look at the guys. Yeah, around him: Patrick Kane, Ray Borg, Rod, Patrick Elliott. Like, well, like what are we doing? Here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I guess you got to look at that and just see, you know, how many of those guys have made it, and what what's what would be the difference between him and them? You know, yeah, Tony Amani's not in. Some some of those guys aren't like Vincent Lacavi is like a kind of a yeah. borderline exactly. Hall of Famer. So we'll be he, so exactly. He'll be in the conversation, but something will have to click with you know with whoever's voting him in. Like, why, why does he get it and that guy didn't get it? But he's got a lot of success, you know, a lot sure. of championships and stuff like that. So maybe maybe that is. And depending on the year that he's in the conversation, who else is who else would be around him? Uh, whether or not he gets in. This is one of those debates. Like we always debate from this era of team, who's going to get their number retired? Yeah, exactly. And I always think it's 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 certainly going to be Alex and Nick. Yeah. Probably John Carlson. Yep. Maybe Braden Holpe? Who gets your their their, their number? Because that's a hard one. That is extremely hard. And and if you think about it, so yeah, three guys that right. Well, let's say let's say four with Holtz. Maybe Um, T.J. Oshie. 
I don't know if he's going to be if been here long enough though. That's the thing. He like, got here in 2015. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and, and he's signed for three more years. Yeah. I mean, that's that's tough. That's why having your number retired is so cool because it is the epitome. Yes. Like you cannot get any higher with, than that with a team. And so I always think it'd be neat. I think Vancouver does it um, where they have a ring of honor where they. And where, the Washington football team does a similar. Yeah. Thing. Exactly. Because yeah. there's a lot of guys that definitely sh- should and could be honored. Um, as being a, a huge part of the organization, but not necessarily retire the number, you know. And that there's, I'd say there's there's easily just in the last 15 years probably five guys that can fall into that category. But uh, but yeah, you're gonna have you an eight retired, a 19 retired. Those are numbers that guys would love to have. Just thinking of like an aesthetics, yeah. you know, you oh, love yeah. to have those numbers on your jersey. 74. I'm not sure there's too many uh, too many people that. That ever thought a 74 would be the number they wanted, but now probably because Carly's done what he's done. But, but yeah, it's always funny when you go to a team and you look down the list of, like Montreal, for example. When I was that's every day. You didn't yeah. have a whole lot of yeah, choices. You can't there. even have a number there. You might as well just uh, just let them choose something for you, which they do for a lot of guys. So so yeah, there'll be there'll be a few few new ones retired, and we'll have to make space on that end wall here in uh, MedStar. Uh, practice ring, so it'll be interesting. Do you still see people wearing your jersey around? Like, like, the, like if you're at a game, like, do you see a lot of Alzner twenty twenty seven jerseys? I, I see a few. Um, I think uh, it's probably maybe one of those things that at the time some people had them, but now that now that I'm not here, they switched to back to their OV jersey or you know their Carly jersey, whatever you were, else they you were, have. You were their backup jersey. <laughs> I was probably the backup jersey. Yeah, I I have I have one uh, uh, Nats jersey that I wear every time I go to a game and. I don't see too many of them around, but it's probably that that thing, you know. You 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 turn, yeah. you change with the with the times, and so you know, there's some that'll be you know an Olvi that you'll always see, but but yeah, there's a lot of guys that you just kind of change over. Is it a ca- is it a customized Nats jersey for you? It, so it's actually you know it was uh, Drew Storen. So we were part of the same agency, and we got together yeah. and traded uh, traded some gear and stuff like that. And he wasn't playing the one year; he was hurt. And so I went to the game, saw him, and, and he just came out of the room with his jersey and just gave it to me. He says, I'm not using it this year, so you can have it. <laughs> and I started laughing because that would never happen in an NHL dressing room. You can't give your jerseys away. The only time you ever see these things is, is during the game. It's there, and then it's gone. And you never see it again. It's not, it's not something we have access to, really. Right. And you cannot give a jersey away. So I, said, are you, I asked him, like, are you allowed to be doing this right now? He's like, oh, yeah, we can do whatever we want. We get, like, 10 of these a year, however many a year. Wow, okay. And I'm like, that's not the way it works for us. So <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. No, and, and it's, it's such a thing in the NFL, like the jersey swap yeah. deal. is like I remember Trent Williams when he played here. He would have, like, all these, like, other like colors in his locker yeah. like, of all these other jerseys. And yeah. You can't do that. You can't do that. I think that would be so sweet. You see it in, in soccer, too, all the time, right? Guys yes. switch. I think that would be amazing. Like, I would have loved to have, you know, me being a, defense, a defensive defense, I would have loved to have gone over to – uh, you know the Rangers and, and trade with Mark Stahl, you know something yeah. like that, and just just another guy who plays a similar <laughs> style as, as me that I respect, and and just switch jerseys after a game or after a playoff series or something like that. Like that would be super, yeah. that'd be really cool. But you know, there's deals that teams have with uh, memorabilia deals where they have oh, to all game worn jerseys that. are getting yeah. sold somewhere. Yeah, so it would be nice if there was a few more. Maybe that's something to think about at some point, you know, where teams have, have a deal with the players. Because you get your jersey usually at the end of the season. and You get one home, one road? You get just, oh. I think it's usually just the last game, uh, whatever the last game is you get. But you give those away to, to friends, family, agent, whatever it is. But, but yeah, it would be nice to trade, trade jerseys with teams. The, the, that was the, the funny story that sometimes the teams do, like, the jerseys off their back. Like, yeah. the Capitals would, would do that when 
uh, this is an e-bug story. I'm talking about e-bugs. That uh, Carter Hutton dressed for one game in 2010, and it was the jerseys off your back night. <laughs> and no one knew who Carter Hutton was at the time. And he's like, some poor schmuck's going to get my jersey. And someone's <laughs> getting Chris Pronger. And so the, the season ticket holder, like, sent the jersey back, and it's hanging in his dad's house now. Oh, like, really? The jersey from his first NHL game that he dressed in. And now, obviously, Carter Hutton's gone on to have a, a 10-year yeah. pro career. And it's just a cool story that, like, he actually got his first jersey. That back. is very cool. I that That's something that would be sweet for every player to be able to have, have that first jersey jersey and not that many guys are that lucky like I so I didn't get my first ever um, regular season jersey but I got my first ever professional uh, hockey jersey it was an exhibition game against Carolina and a lady bought it and then I think at an auction or something one of the websites online and right before I was leaving uh, she reached out and just said hey I have I have that jersey if if you want it I just what that's cool yeah whatever I paid for it is 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 all I'd want and so yeah I I paid her for that jersey so I have that it would be nice though if I could have my first ever regular season jersey because that's kind of the one you think of but but either way yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a neat thing to to have on your wall or, or give to your parents or whatever it is so you know what one day we'll maybe track it down Ovi has a stick collection. Do you have yeah. a collection of anything? Yeah, I have like a stick collection too. Yeah, so me and Ovi would always kind of go back and forth about it. I've, I've, uh, yeah, I, going going back to McDavid's first year. So that's been twenty fifteen. Yeah, the top probably from what I understand, the top three hardest sticks to get in my in kind of in my era. Yeah. And uh, and I remember trying really hard. I reached out to Matt Hendricks because he was there. He said same thing. Like they're not they're not giving any of his sticks away. You you can't do it. The team is wow. is regulating all that. Tried to go through the trainers, this and that. And I was always talking to Ovi about. It. I'm like, man, there's no way we're gonna get because we try and get rookie rookie yeah, sticks, yeah. right? Especially of the players that you know are gonna be pretty good. And so um, so yeah, we we worked really hard at it. And then he was telling me the one day that he he thinks he's he's got a way to get it. And then sure enough, a few weeks later, he showed it to me. He was laughing at me. like He's like, look what I found. And, and he went through, I think he went through uh, the GM. I think he went through Mac here. And, and Mac called their GM, and that was the only way to get it. Um, so I was pissed about that. But anyways, yeah, I do collect sticks. Um, got a couple that I'm really, really proud of, uh, defensemen that I, I idolized growing up. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not as impressive as his. I'd say I got probably 80, 85 sticks. Wow. What's, yeah. your, what's your best one? Um, well, I really like Nick Lidstrom, Scott Niedermeyer. Those are kind of oh, two yeah. that I I really really loved uh, to watch. And I always said like Scott Niedermeyer was my favorite player, favorite defenseman to watch, and Nick Lidstrom was my favorite defenseman to try and you know m- model my game after. I think most defensemen, at least in my in my uh, age range, would say that as well. And so I got those two. And then uh, Yager was really hard to get, and Joe Thornton really hard to get. Um, but have have both of those. So I think those are probably my top my top ones that I have top four and then my oldest one is a John LeClaire actually I got when I was uh it's like 11 or 12 years old I was actually at a Canucks game and there's one broken stick on and there in the trainer uh decided to come come by and give it to me because I was sitting right by their right by their bench so yeah it was a pretty pretty cool story but I got I got a ways to go there's actually one of the things that bugged me is when I left here there was some guys I just never thought about getting their sticks. You know, I I just figured yeah. you know I would I would get them at one point, but the next thing you know, the summers summers here and all the guys are gone, so their sticks aren't there anymore. And it's like, oh shoot, I should have I should have got some of these. You know, it was a mistake. But I'll have to ask them now. And same thing in Montreal too. Like the season ended in March, like abruptly, so didn't have a chance to ask guys for sticks that I normally would have got at the end of the season. So we'll yeah, work on it. 
Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. The whole season, that, that whole thing ended abruptly. But like for, <laughs> yeah. for you, you're just like, well, now what? Now what? I'm just gonna go home and <laughs> start my summer. I guess it was it was weird. I'm actually me and me and Weber got uh, pelotons like a few weeks after because we couldn't train. We were still still in Montreal. We were some of the only guys that were still there, and um, we got pelotons instead. Of, started having uh, bike battles, and it was probably some of the best shape I've ever been in. Actually, that thing is so addicting, but. But that was a yeah, it was a weird weird time. I've got one Montreal weird weird Mac, Montreal question because it just came up that uh, it sounds like Patrick Waugh is a leading candidate to be the GM <laughs> yeah. of the Canadians. As someone as someone who played in Montreal, how wild of a scene would it be if Patrick Waugh is the GM of the Montreal Canadiens? Extremely wild. I I asked this to we had a like a I think it was a season ticket holder dinner or something like that, and I asked everyone around the table of like who is who is the top. Montreal Canadian, like if, if we were in, yeah. in the building right now and Guy Lafleur was here, Patrick Wall was here, you know, you know Carrie is here. I mean, who who is the person that would draw all the eyes? And it was pretty much every single person said Patrick Wall. And I think the reason is because he's not around as much as like a Guy Lafleur yeah. is always kind of around the rank and would meet a lot of fans and stuff. But Patrick was kind of the, you know, and a bit of an enigma, and he wasn't he wasn't showing his face so much. Um, so I think that. Him being that guy would be unbelievable for that that whole province. They would love that, but I don't really know that it would work. Like he is, I was just listening to the radio on the way here, and so the guy made a good point. It's like it didn't work out in Colorado when Joe Sackick was there, and they're supposed to be really good buddies. He also just quit abruptly. Yeah, exactly. As coach in, in Colorado. Yeah. So how's it going to work in Montreal with uh, you know everything that goes on? You know, even just away from the rink, uh, I, I just I don't know. I'd be shocked if it happened, but it would be uh, it would definitely be a, a neat story. I mean, who do you think? Uh, the, the names I've heard, um, uh, there's a guy named uh, Dan McKinnon in New Jersey, who's the assistant GM, who also because it's got to be someone who speaks French. Yeah. So Dan McKinnon in, in New Jersey, and there's a guy AGM in Dallas named Scott White, okay. who grew up outside of Montreal. If you want someone who just kind of knows how to do the day-to-day job, yeah. it's that. Yeah. Daniel Briere's name has been thrown out yeah. there. Vincent uh, Matthew Darsh's name has yeah. been thrown out there. Of You need a bilingual GM in that market. Yeah. But to me, like if Jeff Gordon is training someone along the way, I, I, I love Jeff Gordon. I think he yeah. knows how to build a team, yeah. and, and that team is going to be back. Assuming Carey Price is back, and I'm sure we saw him skating. He's now still in a tracksuit, but how badly do you want to see Carey Price back, not only for the Canadians, but for your Canadian Olympic team? <laughs> yeah, I know. Actually, my wife, Mandy, she asked me this yesterday. She's like, are there any... Happy birthday uh, to Mandy, by the yes, way. Yes, yeah, thank you. It was a big day. <laughs> Obviously, it was the first time I've ever pulled off a surprise party that actually worked. So She was surprised. She was completely surprised. She didn't think... She didn't have any idea. I told her we were going to go bowling, just me and her, and I know she was thinking... Just me and you on my birthday. <laughs> like, where, where's everybody else? And we ended up having, I think, 18 people show up. So it was it was a, a good surprise. So I pat myself on the back for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to see Pricey back just, just as bad as everybody else does. Um, but that being said, I would rather see him 100% healthy, you know, ment- mentally and yes, physically. That's that. I don't, I don't care if he misses the entire year, doesn't play in the Olympics. It's that's not important. So I'm, I'm hoping that. Uh, you know, hockey is uh, you know one of the roads to to uh, health and happiness. So that's 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 what I'm hoping. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see you know the the construction of this Montreal Canadiens team for whoever has to do it all. It's, it's going to be difficult for them, and especially if you don't get Carey back uh, this year. It, it's uh, it's because an Shea's not climb. playing anymore. He's not playing anymore. It's not official that he's retired, but that guy's body has taken some serious punishment over the years. So yeah, you kind of have to. It's there's still a lot of really good young guys there, young players, but I don't know. It, it's not a 
complete tear down rebuild i don't think but um i'm pretty sure the 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 fans of montreal would would like to hear that happen i know we're going on a tangent here but like obviously like bittersweet for you to see this team win the stanley cup yep. after you leave how badly did you not want the canadians to win last year <laughs> af- after after the buyout after all of that and they'd make this ridiculous run of the final where you're like how is this happening yeah so that was tough that was that one was really really hard because um there a lot of guys on that team that I really really like, and um, same thing as as here wanted wanted to see them have success and and win. But there's a couple people in the organization I won't say specifically, <laughs> but I'm sure everyone could guess that I did not want to see have success. And that was I didn't have that here. There was no one here that I didn't want to sure. have success. No, no, that's fair. But there were people there that I didn't want to see them win, and that's you know kind of a crappy thing to say, but it's the truth. And so I was more I was more on the uh, a little bit more split there, you know, between wanting uh, Tampa to win and wanting Montreal to win. So that was an interesting one. I think, you know, it would have been fun to, if they did win, because I was living in the same city as a few of them, to, to see some cup parties and stuff like that and actually be a part of that celebration. But, yeah, it was, I, w- I was a little bit more uh, bitter. Well, these guys just have to win again so you can be around all the yeah, cup parties. Absolutely, here. which hey, it's definitely possible the way things are going right now. There's for sure a chance, so we'll see. Yeah, and, and they may need to get a goaltender, as, as we discussed. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, for Carl Alsner, I'm Steve Weiner. We'll talk to you next week on All's Caps.